Hello everybody, this is Bariatric Girl 1969 again. It's been a very long day for me. You'll have to excuse me, but I've been doing a lot of thinking. And sometimes you have to, as much as you may love people, you may have to let them go for all the right reasons, for your own self-help. Sometimes damage, too much damage and destruction of relationships of all sorts are no longer repairable. And it's taken me 52 years to see this, even with all the therapy that I've gotten, which led to my eating addiction because I would eat to soothe. It's called soothe eating or whatever. Depression eating, binge eating. I guess it just gave me some kind of, uh, I don't know, um, gratification when other things couldn't, when things would be looking in the wrong direction. I would look towards food because food comforted me, but at the same time, it was slowly but surely killing me and my self-esteem at the same time, which I assure you now my self-esteem is A1, but it took me a lot to get to the point to where I am now. And as I said in my last segment, things that happened in my past that are a direct representation of how I came to live the life that I've lived. Um, again, if you're underage, you probably should not be listening to this unless you have a, an adult a suitable, suitable adult, um, maybe sharing this podcast in hopes that you will get something out of it and get the help necessarily that you need to fix your life. And I hope if I can just help even only one person to help from becoming the emotional wreck and overweight that I've become then it was all worth it. I'm not making money off of this. I'm just telling my story. I've tried writing a book before. Um, I've done interviews. And I basically was threatened that if I did write this book, um, that I would be basically cast out of the family. But at this point in my life, I really don't care at all <laughs> what happens nothing can be any worse than what I've already encountered in my life so with that being said if they decide to do that then have at it I don't care <laughs> I really truly don't care anymore it's not about them it's about me and if this is what I have to do to get my story out there 
the real story, then this is what I'm going to do. Period. So, as I was saying in the last episode, the inappropriate touching and fondling and then my mother becoming pregnant um, and then the girl, Catherine, let's call her, uh, and the inappropriate embrace with um, the stepfather. Um, well, he was actually, I believe, I cannot remember if he was a boyfriend at the time or if they had a gotten married already. I really don't recall. Don't really care. That part's probably irrelevant. But I was very young. I only wish I could show you pictures of the time frame of when all of the, these encounters had happened. Yeah. And uh, down to taking inappropriate pictures, modeling pictures, you know, with me with a bathing suit on, leaning up against a tree with my friend Marie, um, holding a rose, me sitting on the couch. I mean, I'm just looking at like the pictures that took place during the time when all of these incidences happened. Um, like when my teacher found out what was going on and contacted my mother, <clears throat> as I said in the last episode, and I could just look at the pictures because I remember that he had a touch radio you just touch it and it turns on and I was sitting on his old couch and next to that same touch radio and you could see the depression in my eyes you could see that I was not a normal child at that point and it just went on from there um also he doesn't even know this, I don't believe. I may or may have told him, I don't know. But we took a trip um, from Oregon um, while my mom, I believe she was pregnant. Um, we were driving, or actually, I think she had already had her. I think she had Jenny by then. Yes, she had. And we took a trip with um, Chaz's brother, biological brother, and his wife in a van and we drove across country all of us and we stopped and stayed at different places which that was fun the different koa campsites the mgm grand hotel in las vegas that was a nice one uh and i for the most part enjoyed it until we got to the mgm grand and i was uh, very young and apparently i started my period at a very young age i was very emotional i didn't know what was going on um, my mother was down at the pool, I believe with, uh, her sister-in-law and, uh, and Chaz and his brother felt the need to come upstairs. And when he did, uh, I was in the shower because I had just started for the first time and I was cleaning myself up. I didn't know what to do. I was panicking and freaking out, waiting on my mom to come upstairs and explain to me what was going on with my body. Um, so I had to clean off myself. And when I came out, I just had the shower. I mean, the towel wrapped around me and we'll call him, uh, Jared. 
Jared was sitting on the bed and he was staring at me. Uh, he always liked to play this tickle game with me. So I knew it was inappropriate because I was in, you know, a towel. <laughs> and I was trying to get away from him. And he always did this howling thing like a werewolf or something. And he was very quite loud. Um... And he started tickling me, and he always tickled me around my breast and then my private area when I was naked that particular time. And it made me feel very, very uncomfortable. But just then, um, my mom and uh, the baby and his wife came to the door, and he heard it, and he stopped. So I don't know what would have happened had that not happened. But there was only that one isolated incident, I believe. And... Uh, it just kind of scared me, but anyhow, I was glad that they came in, and uh, so anyway, we uh, made our way, and we came to Georgia, and it was nice for the most part. Everything was way different. Tried things I'd never tried before. I was eating a lot more, that's for sure. And it may have been because I had started for the first time or may have been my nerves. But um, Chaz had came out numerous times and wanted to tuck me in and, you know, try to give me a kiss and everything. And, you know, you know, give me a little pinch, you know, here and there. And uh, <sighs> sorry, you guys, but when I think about this it kind of angers me a little bit but anyway it was wrong and um anyhow uh there was like a big barbecue thing going on with his families and all it was in a little small country town in Georgia a little place called Homerville actually so anyhow, we got together and uh, we were playing, well, I was playing with uh, some of the their family's children that were around my age. And to my surprise, I actually got in trouble because uh, I was playing Barbies and I guess I did something very inappropriate, much like I actually did with, um, with my cousin in Oregon, my mother's sister's daughter, I was playing with her dolls and I was making humping and dirty gestures of her Barbie dolls doing nasty things. But that was my way of acting out because what had been done to me, which fast forward in Homerville, Georgia, I got in trouble for the same thing and I was not allowed to play with the kids because of the inappropriateness and they kept asking me where I got it from how did I learn it of course I couldn't say you know because I had been shushed basically from Chaz and um, you know this is Chaz's family <laughs> so I got in trouble and uh, nobody wanted to play with me when I was there of course I was the oldest one um, yeah, so, um, I kind of felt like a loner, you know, because I felt like 
that I was this dirty little girl and all with a dirty little mouth and a dirty little mind because that's how I was made to feel. But nobody really knew why I, you know, I was the way that I was. And I couldn't say, oh, yeah, well, your cousin, your son, your whatever had been doing these things to me. <laughs> yeah. But. And some of my judgment may be a little cloudy because it's been a long time. But for the most part, I do remember everything. Just like there's things that I never, ever, ever told my family. I've only told them bits and pieces. And of course, they heard a lot of the lies from my mother, from her trying to cover up where her shit definitely stunk to make it look worse on me, including the fact of uh, one thing that actually came out last night was, and I'm not proud of this, um, even though it started at a very young age, and of course I was in foster care and I ran away and I was molested also in foster care. I was introduced to the pimping lifestyle, prostitution, things of the sort, because of what I was going through. Um, even on my home visits, uh, not all of them, but several of them, I was, you know, fondled and touched um, during that. Um, there was no actual intercourse. There was everything but intercourse um, when I was an adolescent. The intercourse situation did not start till later. But at the same time, I know that it is inappropriate. But you also have to understand that my mom wanted nothing to do with me because of me being in and out of foster care, running away, getting involved in all kinds of situations. Well, apparently my mother at some point started seeing somebody. I don't know if it was her last husband that she had, but I, it could have been somebody else at the apartment complex um, that we lived at. And basically they were going through, her and her husband Chaz were going through it. And, um, and I was doing prostitution at the time. And of course I had other siblings in and all. Um, and I was forbid from being able to spend time with them knowing that they were my life, even though I was not raised with them, but I had always had a very strong love and liking for my siblings, all of them. And when my mother took that away from me and said that they, that I was a bad influence, it really hurt me. So by this time I was out there literally hooking on the street on Peachtree Street and Metropolitan Parkway, which used to be Stewart Avenue in Atlanta. Um, I did whatever I had to do to survive. And that unfortunately is what I had to do to survive. I mean, I was young. I had ran away from foster homes because I was being just as bad molested there, but actually penetration though. Um, it was just horrible. Um, I got sold from one pimp to another pimp. I ran away from pimps um, so I can keep the money for myself so I could actually live. I was raped numerous times, three different times. One time gang raped by eight people. Um, once by an ex-pimp and all who beat the crap out of me and sent me to my first trip to Grady Hospital. And another one by another pimp named Diamond in Atlanta and he's actually dead now so I can say his name comfortably because he's dead and pretty Tony is dead too that was the other one the other ones I had no clue who they were but I was with an ex-boyfriend of mine and he would drive back and forth to Miami and he would buy uh, get large amounts of cocaine and I knew people that would buy it 
So I wanted to help, even though he told me not to. And that's how I got raped by the pretty Tony guy. He's an ex-pimp as well. And when I told him what I had, he told me to bring it to him. And I did it behind my boyfriend's back. And when I did, I found myself in a very, very compromising position. And I was raped, gang raped by eight people on the, on the west side of town, around Ashby, Ashby Street uh, area in Atlanta. It's a very known area for drug activity, prostitution, um, and all kinds of things. So anyhow, eventually my paths crossed and I met um, my son's father, a guy named Ron. And um, I met him while he was doing a drug deal when I was with another ex-boyfriend staying at a hotel over on Memorial Drive. So during this time, you know, um, uh, my mom, you know, it's sad, but my mom, you know, would not let me see my sisters or my brother. Um, she thought I was a bad influence and um, because of my lifestyle, which I couldn't help my lifestyle. <laughs> But, you know, hey, that was her way of dealing with things, I guess. You know, who am I to say whatever, you know. But I know I think it was wrong. But she knew how much it meant to me to be able to see the kids. I love the kids so very much. And uh, I basically sold my soul, because that's really what it felt like, to be able to see them. Because Chaz, um, you know, he... I didn't realize at the time about the whole grooming thing, the whole grooming process. And I know that's a part of what it was. And he wanted my uh, expertise of what I did in return. He would let me spend time with the kids as long as they didn't tell mom. So I would take care of business. That's how the other part of the inappropriateness of my adulthood took place. It wasn't that I just wanted to do whatever. I knew that the only way I would be able to see my sisters and my brother would be if I were to do things that are unnameable. And I did. Sickening, yes, very much so. Um, but I did what I felt that I had to do at the time. And by this time, I was barely an adult, barely. But I did what I had to do. And I was able to see them, even if it wasn't for that long. Time went on and on. I got deeper and deeper in the prostitution. Luckily, I can honestly say I never really got into drugs. Drinking, maybe I would drink a little bit, not much. And, uh, you know, things just uh, kept, um, kept going. I found myself pregnant at an early age. Um, going back to when I was 13, uh, I was raped. Then I forgot all about that incident and that was not with the other three. <laughs> so four times I was raped. <sighs> he was older. His name was Scott. There used to be a place called Players Video Arcade Place that used to be on Shalliford Road in Shambly, Georgia. All the kids used to hang out there. Apparently this guy was... There working with his uncle, and it was my first time, I believe, drinking alcohol. I went with them, and I woke up, and, you know, there was a big mess. And by then, I couldn't say no anymore because I was already de-virginized or raped. 
and I continued to do it. So my first time I ever had actual sex, which he was older, he was definitely um, of age <laughs> um, when I was underage. And uh, the first time I ever had sex, I got pregnant. And I was forced with the courts of Georgia. They forced me to have an abortion, which my mom fought tooth and nail because she and my family did not believe in abortion. And uh, I ran away to prevent myself from having an abortion. And I hitchhiked and got, you know, in compromising positions there. But I did them for money um, to Daytona Beach, Florida, where I stayed at 220 North Halifax Road. I'll never forget. It's like two, three blocks from the boardwalk. I was like 13, 14 years old, somewhere around in there. <sighs> got into so much there. And I just guess I got tired because I was basically living on the streets because the house that I was staying at, they put me out. And... Um, there at that time in the 80s, you know, uh, police would drive up to you. And if they ask you your social security and your information, you have to either have it on you or you have to know it by heart. Otherwise, they won't let you go. So I messed up saying it like two or three times. I said something different each time, but it was similar. And they put me in the back of the car in cuffs and they took me to the runaway center and then, of course, I had to tell them that I had ran away and where I ran away from. They contacted the state of Georgia. And I'll tell you what. It was a very horrifying experience because I was 13 years old, like I said. And they sent me on an airplane to come all the way back to Georgia. And my caseworker and my mother met me at the airport. As soon as I got off, it was like... Immediate, they took me directly to the Women's Center in Atlanta, somewhere around Northside Drive. And that's where I was forced to do an abortion. And I was wide awake and felt every single inch of that pain. So, and I was eating a lot off and on. I was out of depression because there wasn't anything else for me to do. And you would think that after me running away and then going through a horrible traumatic abortion experience, that that would be enough uh, punishment. But no, about two weeks after that, they decided, my caseworker decided that I needed more uh, of a stiffer punishment <laughs> of all things. They put me in a youth detention center for two whole weeks. Yeah, two whole weeks where I got my ass whooped by at least four or five different girls, at least. Um, nobody did anything to protect me there. Yeah, of course, they broke up the fight, but it kept going on and on and on and on. Almost the entirety of the two weeks that I was there until the day that I was released. Um... And then from that point on, it got even worse, obviously. Um, I guess I had made a comment to some effect that I didn't want to be there anymore. Like, you know, like be alive anymore. And I went to 
which actually this place was not that bad. <laughs> it was uh, the Georgia Mental Health Institution that was located. It's no longer there now, but it was on Briarcliff Road in Atlanta. And I did go stay there for quite some time. It seemed like a really long time. And I don't recall if I, when I did leave there, if I actually went back to uh, the foster home or if they, in fact, sent me to West Central Georgia Regional Mental Health Hospital in Columbus, Georgia. But, you know, the dates and the times are kind of up in the air with me because I don't really recall all of the details. I just do remember the things that happened. So I apologize if I ramble from time to time. I just think that my story needs to be heard. The real story. Um, I think I liked it better when I was at George Mental Health or West Central Georgia Regional because those two places were the only two places that nobody was messing with me sexually at. Um, and at some point I did return back to my foster home, which I did love. Um, I love my actual foster parents. They were wonderful, 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 wonderful. But I was very inappropriate doing very inappropriate sexually, uh, motivated type things, not towards them, of course, but there was a boy there named Curtis and we had an inappropriate sexual thing on the bathroom floor hallway upstairs um, when everybody was asleep and I wanted him to stop but he didn't it was just more or less flirting that led into him basically taking it uh, he was a little older I think he was like 16 at the time so he was much bigger than myself so I allowed him to do what he wanted to do and it hurt very bad. Um, and then from that, um, I believe shortly thereafter, my, uh, my foster parents, um, my foster father was actually from, um, Africa. I believe it was Ghana, Africa. And both him and his wife we're going to take a trip to go back to visit his family home. So they left. And in the process, they had these people called relief house parents. And I know this was around the Christmas holidays, if I'm not mistaken. It totally was. Now, Raymond, which was the relief house parent, was actually married to, I think, somebody named Janet or Janice, I believe. And they had a baby. Um, anyhow, they were both supposed to be there because there was two boys. No, excuse me. I think it was two girls and four boys at the time. Or maybe it was two girls and three boys that were staying there. And... Basically, Raymond seemed really super cool, especially when his wife was not around. He would let us get away with extra things, and I was smoking cigarettes at the time, of course. Um, so, what he did was, uh, apparently I heard them over-talking. 
you know, him and his wife and his wife was not so nice, not so nice at all. Uh, I remember her just being kind of foul acting towards me, especially. Um, so anyway, it was said that she was going to go visit her family out of state, which she was not supposed to do. But Raymond made sure that he talked to all of us and they agreed not to say anything at all. None of us did. So she left to go out of town to go spend family with her family. I mean, Christmas with her family, the holidays. And the only person that left to take care of us all was Raymond. Now, Raymond was really cool. Don't get me wrong. But he also was a pedophile. <laughs> I learned this firsthand. They are out there. And don't think for a second I don't agree with the foster care system because to a point I do but I am very leery of it only due to the things that happened to me when I was in it and I know still things do exist now that are inappropriate and not called for in those situations so anyhow it was getting closer to Christmas and Raymond you know was like Oh, and the girl, the other girl, it was me and another girl. She was going home on a home visit. And one of the three boys was. So it was just me and two other boys in the home that were the only ones left there that was not able to go home with their families for the holidays. So in return, he took us with him. And he went to a friend of his named Freddie's house or these apartments. He went to a big party. And I was just like, wow. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. You know, they were like um, break dancing and doing all kinds of really cool stuff. I mean, that, that's the end thing that was going on in the 80s. So I was just like, wow, taken back. I mean, I was having a time in my life because my foster, my actual foster parents would never let us do anything. They were so on us, which they should have been. And now I see why. Maybe that's the reason why I am the way I am about my own and the grandkids or any other kids. And if I see somebody making a mistake that I think that they're going to live to regret it later, I cannot help but to uh, engage and try to get them to not do that. But anyhow, on with the story. Um, I was offered a drink. Not just a drink, though. It was an alcoholic beverage. Oh, boy. And boy, oh, boy, was it really good. It was called Brass Monkey. And it was delicious. But I had no clue of the consequences that I would have to take behind that. Oh. So anyway, um, I drank and I drank and I had a really good time and I danced and I talked to people. And at some point that night, um, my two foster brothers, I don't know where they were, if they were even still there, if Raymond had taken them home, I don't recall. But I do know this. I know that I threw up, got sick. And I ended up into a bedroom. I don't know whose bedroom. I'm assuming it was that Freddy guy's bedroom. And when I did, I remember 
like bits and pieces. Uh, but I know that I was raped for sure. Not only by Freddie, but by Raymond as well. He raped me. Freddie raped me. And two other guys raped me. So it was a total of at least four, between four and six. That's all I know. That's all I remember. Um, I've been raped so many times. I just, I can't even recall every single time. But, um, anyway, um, at some point he took us home or I woke up at home and he asked me not to say anything about anything. He said that I was all over them and he said that he didn't want to get in trouble because he really was not supposed to be there and his wife was out of town and they would get fired and they would be out of a place to live. So, of course, I did what I was taught to do a long time ago, to keep my mouth shut and to keep another secret. And that's exactly what I did because I always seemed to feel responsible for either if my mother lost the baby and it would be my fault because if I told it would destroy her and she would hate me forever is what I was told. <sighs> Same thing like with Raymond. Raymond. Um same exact thing, same situation. So I learned to keep my mouth shut. It was something I was good at doing at that time. You know, I was able, you know, Hey, I, I mean, any other time I could pretty much for the most part, it, it seemed okay because it was like, I could do whatever I wanted to do and really wouldn't get in so much trouble as long as I was careful in how I did things, you know? And, uh, so anyhow, my foster parents came back and everything was fine for a while. And then <laughs> something came out about Raymond. And of course, my foster mother asked me what had happened. And I told her, and then she immediately called my caseworker. She said she had to make a report of it. They made a report of it, but they, I guess, did not believe it. Because it had been so long since it had happened, maybe like a month or so. And they did not take it serious. And the funny, well, it's not really funny, but I'm just saying just a figure of speech. The funny thing about it was there was another girl in another one of those particular foster homes owned by the same company had also, and we didn't even know each other, like one or two girls actually, um, Accused him of the same exact thing. Same thing. But when I gave my statement, they chalked it off to um, me having a personal vendetta against men because of what my stepfather had done to me. And they thought I was just jumping on the bandwagon, even though we I knew nothing about the other girls at all. I only learned about it because my foster mother was talking to my caseworker about other incidences with the same Raymond guy and two other girls in that same, uh, you know, same foster home community, but in two different other households, like a Cobb County house and some other house that was in Douglasville or something like that. We were in Decatur. So not really much happened about that. I couldn't do anything. So course they put me on more things like lithium thorazine uh melarel 
cogent and I was taking all these drugs and of course, you know, to like control my moods and my, I guess, post-traumatic stress, what have you, my hyperness. And it got me to the point where I was just like, almost like zombie-ish, even in school. And it greatly affected my schooling. So anyway, sorry, somebody was at the door. So, um, I may have to take a break right now, but, um, I'm going to add more to this after a while and, um, because there's so much I need to share and this is going to take <laughs> maybe a few, um, uh, series and episodes before I can actually complete this. So be tuning in and, um, You'll hear more about my actual story soon. And until then, be good, everybody. Be good to yourself. And if you're harboring any kind of emotional baggage, make sure that you reach out to the appropriate people and talk to somebody. Because any and everybody can be helped. It's not like it was back in the 70s and 80s. Things did start changing. Look out for you. You're number one. And if nobody's told you yet, you definitely matter. And don't let anybody tell you you don't. Things always happen for a reason.